Well, again, let me reiterate what Mike said. Uh, This morning's topic is not going to be age appropriate for anybody sixth grade and down. So if you have a child in here who's sixth grade or younger, this would be a good time to slip out and take them. We have a movie for them uh, over in the children's area. Also, I know a lot of people broad or podcast these sermons now. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, kids are in the room, hit pause, put on headphones or take the kids out of the room. This morning, we're talking about from the book of Proverbs, the subject of sexual purity. And we'll have a lot to say about sexual sin and one particular sexual sin, pornography. Now, if the P word, if if the word pornography makes you uncomfortable, I'll just warn you, I'm going to be using it throughout this message. Uh, Some of you are wondering, um, Blake, you just came back from summer recess and your first sermon back is on pornography? Can't you ease us in a little bit? Well, uh, here is why we're going to talk about pornography this morning. Two reasons. Reason number one, because Proverbs has a lot to say about pornography. Uh, I was doing a little survey of the book of Proverbs uh, this week, and the first nine chapters of Proverbs are kind of Solomon's introduction to us. It contains the most important things he has to say. The big stuff is in the first nine chapters. That's 256 verses. 66 of them are about sexual sin. That's one quarter of the introduction to Solomon's book. One quarter of the most important stuff he has to say is about sexual sin. So we would be remiss in the midst of a summer preaching series on Proverbs to not talk about sexual sin. We've got to do it. It'd be a gaping hole if we left this out. Now, some of you have read Proverbs and you're thinking, well, yeah, Solomon has a lot to say about sexual sin, but nowhere do I find the word pornography. So why are we talking about that this morning? Well, a little historical context. In Solomon's day, um, there really was no pornography. In Solomon's day, the way that you committed sexual sin was through a face-to-face encounter with someone else, through adultery, fornication, prostitution. So he speaks all about those forms of this sin. But mankind is an inventive species. We have invented photography, video cameras, the internet, cell phones. Now we have ushered into our homes through these morally neutral inventions a whole new form of this sin. A form of this sin that is relatively free, that is easy, that is quite private, pornography. This is now the dominant way that human beings express sexual sin, through pornography. So we've got to talk about it. We've got to look at Proverbs and find out what it has to say to this new form of sexual sin that Solomon knew nothing about, pornography. So that's the first reason we're looking at this morning, because Proverbs has a lot to say about it. But there's a second reason, probably a bigger reason for me personally, I think we've got to talk about pornography because I truly believe that it is destroying our church and our nation. I truly believe that pornography is one of the greatest threats our church, any church in America, faces today. Pornography is the elephant under the rug at church. It's the thing that we tiptoe around. We don't want to admit it's there. We don't want to talk about it. And all the time, it is stomping people to death in our midst. I have some numbers for you. I got them from Ben Stewart. He gave this talk, a similar talk in Breakaway last year. Came up with some great research, very helpful to me. So here's some numbers. Let me fill these in for you. Twelve. Twelve billion dollars per year our nation spends on pornography. Now to put that in perspective, that, that is more money in a given year than the United States, than all citizens of the United States spend on professional football, basketball, and baseball combined. Pornography is our biggest professional sport in this country. Now, if you divide it out, that works out to $3,000 we spend on pornography in the U.S. per second. And this sermon, 35 minutes long, the United States will spend $6.3 million on pornography. Now, most of that money stays right here. It stays local because here in the United States, we make more porn than anybody else. We make 200 porn movies in this country per week, per week. Now, most of that pornography is now moved online. That's the primary conduit. That's why there are now 4.2 million porn websites, not porn pages, not web pages, whole websites dedicated to pornography, 4.2 million. That's something like 12% of all websites in existence. No surprise then that 25% of all searches online are for pornography. That means that one out of every four times someone enters something in the search bar of Google or Yahoo, it's because they're looking for pornography. One out of four. Now, the statistics so far, those are pretty, pretty shocking, but now it gets really scary. Now the statistics get really shocking. Uh, 11, that is the age in America of a child's first exposure to pornography. If you have a sixth grader, it's a 50-50 chance that they have seen pornography already. 
80%. That's the percentage of 15 to 17-year-olds in our country who have already had multiple exposures online to hardcore pornography, mostly through homework. Doing the homework, and there it is. This, is, this isn't just guys, it's boy, boys and girls, 80% of them, multiple hardcore exposure online. Now let's get personal a little bit. Let's talk about us in this room. 53% of Christian men, of those men who claim to be followers of Christ, 53% of them are currently consuming pornography. That doesn't mean they've seen it before. It doesn't mean they've been exposed to it. It means that currently they are regularly looking at pornography. 53% of men and, surprisingly, 20% of Christian women. So what recent studies show, one out of five Christian women are now struggling with pornography. That's why we're having this sermon topic in a mixed group. Pornography has jumped the gender gap. It now affects all of us. Men and women are falling prey, are becoming addicted to pornography. Because of the sexualization of our society and especially the sexualization of our young girls, they're now just as prone to struggling with this sin. Now, if you do the math, and let's say that we're about an equal number of guys and girls in this room. We've got about 300 of us here. 53% of 50% plus 20% of 50% is almost exactly one out of three. If statistics are true, which they pretty much always prove to be, one out of three of us in this room are right now struggling and losing to the battle with pornography. One of three of us are currently using pornography in this room. And for the two out of three of us who aren't, I guarantee you just with those statistics, your life is still being affected by pornography. Your spouse, your loved one, your child, your parent, your close friend, they are losing to pornography right now. Every one of us in this room is affected by pornography. It is affecting every person here. And by all, I do mean all. I'm not standing up here this morning as some saint speaking to you about avoiding pornography. I have struggled in my past with this as well. When I moved to Texas A&M, I moved into Dunn Hall the year they wired it for high-speed internet. Great choice, Texas A&M. You put a bunch of 19-year-old boys in rooms with high-speed, unlimited access. What were the three biggest uses of the internet that first year? downloading porn, video games, and uploading illegal hacked versions of software. So way to go, A&M. That was a great choice. All horrible activities. That's what we did with the internet, okay? So this is something that God has taken me through and grown me. He's taught me from his word. He has instructed me, and I want to pass on to you this morning lessons I have learned from God's word, particularly from the book of Proverbs, about how we resist this sin, how we resist sexual sin, how we fight back against porn. That's what we're going to find out from the book of Proverbs this morning. Now, to be honest with you, this is a sermon that could have been taken and and grown into a whole series. I would like to have spoken on this for a whole semester because there's that much to say. The Bible has a lot to say about pornography, Um, but we're going to do it in one sermon. We're going to kind of condense it and look particularly at Proverbs chapter 7. So turn to Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to find four lessons that Solomon has to us about how to battle sexual sin in our lives. That's where we're going to go this morning. So four lessons from Proverbs chapter 7 and some of the chapters around it. Let's start with uh, verse 1 of chapter 7. Solomon says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend, that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. What I learned from Solomon at the beginning of chapter 7 of Proverbs is we need to be talking about sexual sin. This isn't something to keep in your closet. This is something to talk about. Who's he talking to in Proverbs chapter 7? His son, His little boy who hasn't yet committed sexual sin. He's talking to his son openly about pornography. We got to realize pornography is not some taboo sin you can't talk about in church. It's a sin just like any others. If you have fallen to pornography, it doesn't make you more guilty in God's eyes. It's not something you got to sweep under the rug. We need to talk openly about it. As a pastor, I have seen a pattern play out time and time again in the lives of believers. They fall to sexual sin. Maybe something minor, but they feel ashamed of it. They feel guilty of it. And Satan whispers to them, you are so wretched. No one would fall to that sin. No one would do what you did. And so they don't talk about it. Last thing they're going to do is talk about it because they're so ashamed. So they start, they start to pull back from their friends, 
from the brothers and sisters in Christ that are around them. And, and now they're an easy target for Satan. And so they fell to this level. Now they're going to fall even deeper. Now they're going to look at something even worse. Now they're even less likely to talk to someone. And this thing just starts to spiral down. They can't talk about it because it's so shameful. It's got them trapped. They are lost in the darkness, unwilling to talk to anyone until they just finally break down and show up in my office. Men and women, that should not be. We need to be willing to talk to one another openly even before we're struggling with the problem. Talk about pornography. Three specific applications here. Number one, if you are currently consuming pornography, if you are really struggling with this sin, if you are regularly falling to pornography, I want to encourage you, you need to go talk to someone who can help you. You need to come talk to someone who can help you. Now, that could be a small group leader here at the church. That could be a staff member, one of us pastors, or our wives, if, if a lady, if you need to talk to someone. This could be an elder at the church or their wives or a deacon at the church or their wives. Come talk to someone who can help you, help you out of the darkness. Okay, so come talk to someone. Now, if, if you're here and you're not struggling, but your spouse is, If your spouse or a child or a parent or a roommate is lost in the darkness of pornography, maybe you need to come talk to someone. Find out how can you help this person. Find somebody who's mature, who will keep this private, who won't talk to anybody else about this struggle. Find someone safe that you can talk to who can help lead you out of the darkness. Okay, so talk to someone who can help you. Number two, whether you're struggling or not, all of us need to be talking to accountability partners. Every single person in this room needs to have someone of the same sex that they talk to on a regular basis about sin. Not just this sin, all sin. Some of you may be thinking, well, I'm old enough or I'm far enough along in my Christian life that I don't need accountability. I'm not going to fall to this sin. I want to remind you, uh, who wrote chapter 7 of Proverbs? Who wrote this book? Solomon. What did he do after writing this book? Became like the most lecherous man who's ever lived. Biggest committer of sexual sin. How about his dad, David? Man who was a a man after God's own heart, who led the nation of Israel in great conquest. What did he do late in life? Had an affair with Bathsheba, destroyed his life. You are never too old or too mature to need accountability. I'm a pastor here at the church. I meet with two pastors here in town who are close friends of mine every single week for accountability. And we ask each other the hard questions. What did you look at? What were you thinking about? What did you do when you were alone? We challenge each other, we convict each other, and then we show one another grace and we pray for one another and support one another. I plan to meet with those guys until the doctor closes my eyes and pronounces me dead. That's when I'm done needing accountability, when I'm dead and gone. The rest of this life, I'll need it, and so do you. So if you don't yet have accountability, let me challenge you. Find somebody of the same sex, a mature believer, who will keep it private, but who will ask you the hard questions and start a weekly accountability relationship with them. Now again, somebody of the same sex, it's not usually best to have a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend be your accountability. That doesn't really work well. You should be open with your spouse about this. But but find an accountability person of, of the same sex, okay? Start that this week. You need it now. Start meeting with them every week. Talk about this area of sin in particular, but also other areas of sin, other areas where you want to walk with the Lord. That's what accountability is for. We all need it. Number three, specifically for parents. I want to challenge you. I desperately want to get up on a soapbox and I want to challenge you. You've got to talk to your kids about pornography. You have got to talk to your kids earlier than you think about sexual sin. Now there's a balance here to walk. There's kind of a fine balance to walk. On one hand, parents need to protect their kids from pornography. And on the other hand, they need to prepare their kids to see it. Okay, you need to do both. You need to protect your kids. Now, I, I think that for a lot of you, especially who are older, you're not yet aware of how early pornography creeps into the lives of our children. I was talking to a good friend of mine who has a four-year-old daughter, hopped on his computer and reset the web page, the homepage of their Internet Explorer. Now, that's actually a multi-step process that a four-year-old walked through. She knew how to do it. He didn't. Four years old, she can get to pornography. I have another friend with a six-year-old boy who took his smartphone, you know, these new fancy phones that can get on the internet, and he downloaded a bunch of free video games to play. Parents didn't know how to do it, didn't even know it was possible until the visa bill shows up and they have this huge charge to their phone. Well, if he can get to the page where they're downloading video games, it's one page away to the page where they're downloading wallpapers, many of which are softcore pornography. One click away from pornography at six years old. They know your devices better than you do. 
So when you get home today, if you haven't done it already, I challenge you parents, please do an electronic inventory of your home. What are the electronic things we have in our home? Have you locked them down? Have you put up safeguards for your kids? Do you have the computer in an open place where they can't be away alone? You'll see when they're online. Do you have filters on that computer? Do you have the cable channels locked? Do you have your phone locked so your kids can't play on it? You need to have all that done. A new threat, new video game systems, PSPs and Xbox 360s, Wii's, all these can get online. Do you have the parental controls set up so they can't use their video game console to see pornography? Now, I think this also applies to other homes that your kids may go to. It is not a rude question to ask a parent who is inviting your child over, what have you done to lock your computer, to lock your TV, to lock the PlayStation 3? What have you done to make sure that our kids can't see pornography? You need to ask that. If they haven't done anything, your kids shouldn't go to their house, period. Now, again, this can't start too early. I already have filter and locking programs on my computer, and my kids aren't born yet. (laughs) Okay, going to do it early, going to get it out there. Kids can never go there. Okay, so can't start too early. At the same time that you are protecting your kids, though, you need to be preparing them because despite your best efforts, if statistics are true, by 11 years old, half of them will have already seen pornography. You want to talk to your kids before they see that picture of a naked person. You need to sit down with them. You don't have to use the word pornography. You need to be preparing them in age-appropriate ways that when they see it, they will turn away. They will close the program. They won't look. I have another friend with a seven-year-old boy who was sitting on his mother's lap as she was checking her email. And, and as they often do, a banner ad popped up that had a woman in a suggestive pose showing her cleavage. And the mother said to the boy, look away and close your eyes. And as he did, she closed the program and then she turned him to her and said, let's talk about what just happened. It became a teachable moment. She instructed him. She doesn't have to use the word porn. Just says, you know, if an image comes up of a woman and it makes you feel uncomfortable, she's not wearing enough clothing, you need to close your eyes and look away. Close your eyes and look away. Seven years old, he's already learning what to do when he invariably sees pornography, because he will at some point. So be training up your children. Protect them as long as you can, but prepare them even now to face it. Let's talk openly about pornography. Let's not sweep it under the rug. That's the first lesson we get from Solomon in the book of Proverbs. Let's move on to the second lesson. Solomon's second thing to tell us is that we need to fight sexual sin by avoiding the first steps. Now let's look at Proverbs 7. Let's see how the, how the progression flows that this young man is going to be caught in sexual temptation. It starts in verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense. Passing through the street near her corner, and he takes the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness. This progression towards sexual sin, it starts uh, pretty innocently, it seems. It starts not with sex, not with adultery, not with something like that. This guy simply starts walking through the wrong streets at the wrong time of day. He's going to an area he knows she might be at in the darkness of night. Okay, that's where it starts, but then keep reading with me. Verse 10, and behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. Okay, he's put himself in a situation where he is in the pathway of temptation. He's gone to her part of town, and now she comes out and meets him, and she begins to entice him. And for the next 10 or 12 verses, she begins to lure him. She uses all kinds of professional techniques. She's a pro at luring in innocent young men. She flatters him. She wears things that are, are beautiful to his eyes. She talks about the fact that they'll never be caught, that this is something free he can do. She lures him in, and then verse 22, suddenly he follows her. Not surprisingly, but suddenly. She entices him and he gives in. Now what Solomon teaches us about sexual sin in this chapter is that sexual temptation is a slippery slope. Where did it start? Did it start with adultery? No. Did it even start with a woman there? No. It started with just that first step of curiosity. What's going on in that part of town? I'm bored. What's going on tonight? And that part, so he starts to head that way. One false move and he puts himself in the pathway of temptation that is professional, that leads him down the pathway of sexual sin. I loved a mountain bike. When I lived in Virginia, I had this trail that I really liked to ride. Uh, this trail at the end of it, the very end of it, you're kind of coming up this hill and there's a fork in the road. You can go to the right and there's a gentle curve and you go back to the parking lot or you can crest the hill and, and get onto the steepest descent I've ever been on on a bike. Incredibly steep descent, just incredibly fast all the way to the bottom of a ravine. 
Now, how this worked is you could get off at the fork. You could make that choice. But once you passed the fork in the road, your choice was made. Because once you got over the crest of that hill, you could slam on the brakes. You could try to turn around, but you're just going to go end over end over your handlebars because it's too steep. You can't stop. One way or the other, you're going to end up at the bottom of the ravine looking up. So it is with sexual sin. If you don't bail out of sexual sin during the first steps, sin is going to build up momentum just like my bike does. It's going to build up momentum until it's harder and harder to stop. And all of a sudden, you are at the bottom of the ravine. You've been looking at and using and lusting over pornography. And you're looking back up the hill and you're wondering, how the heck did I get here? Why did I not get off the hill at the top? If you want to avoid sexual sin, you've got to get off the ride at the beginning. You've got to make the wise choices at the beginning to get off this thing before it builds momentum. Cut off the source of temptation at the root. Get it out of there practical application for you guys do whatever it takes we need to do whatever it takes to avoid the first steps towards sexual temptation okay all of us in this room need to know what are the triggers what are the circumstances where we will be tempted okay, what is the context in which i will be tempted with sexual sin uh, for most of us here's an example we probably don't need to be checking our email after 10 p.m Probably don't need to be on the internet after 10 p.m. Even for a legitimate thing, you're tired at that time. That's when temptation's more likely. For some of you who have cable TV, you need to say, hey, I'm not gonna turn on the TV when I am home alone. Because you know when you're home alone and cable TV's on and you're flipping through the stations and you're bored, man, you're gonna be set up for temptation. Some of you need to put filters or accountability programs on your computer so that you won't be led down those first steps of curiosity begin giving in to this sin. Now, some of you need to go even further. Some of you who are in the midst of this struggle, you are currently using pornography. You don't seem to be able to stop it. You don't seem to be able to turn away. You need to get radical. You need to cut out temptation at its source. You may, for a time, need to completely remove internet from your house. You may need to get rid of the cable TV. I look at it this way. What advice would you give to a 400-pound man desperate to lose weight who works at McDonald's? Would you say to him, hey, buddy, man, I hope you have some real self-discipline smelling those french fries all day long. No, you're going to tell him, dude, you got, you got to quit that job. You can't work at McDonald's and lose weight smelling those fries, those Happy Meals all day. You just got to get out of there. Well, so it is with sexual sin. If you are really losing that battle, you just got to run. You got to flee. You got to cut out the internet. You got to cut out cable TV. When I was a junior at A&M, I and some friends moved out to Treehouse Village and I got this really nice computer so that I could work from home, had a modem in it so I could check my email with group members and do work from home and it was working great. But I began to notice when my roommates weren't home and it was late at night, I would begin to struggle with temptation. I would be tempted to go to places I shouldn't go on that computer and that temptation began to build and it began to build and it began to build and I finally said, I I can't live with this temptation. So I took the cover off the computer, unbolted the modem, took a screwdriver and put a hole through it. That was it. Modem was done. Temptation was gone. Now, I don't have the convenience of checking my email. Big deal compared to giving into pornography. Got to weigh the costs here. Cut out the source of temptation if it's owning you. Now, let me say to you who are spouses or roommates of those who are struggling, let me plead with you. Please be willing to give up convenience and entertainment for the sake of the person you love. Yeah, if they come to you and they say, Sweetie, I I can't live with this in our home. I can't live with the internet. I can't live with the movie channels. Be willing to say, okay, you're not struggling with it. You enjoy it. Be willing to say, I'll give up that entertainment for your purity because it's worth it. It's worth it. Do whatever it takes to cut off the sources of temptation at the root so you don't take the first steps towards sexual sin. That's Solomon's second lesson for us. Let's keep going. Lesson number three that Solomon has for us. If we're going to resist sexual sin, we have to understand the consequences. We have to understand what it is that sexual sin will cost us. Now, let's talk for a second. What does the world say about sexual sin? What are the consequences for sexual sin according to our world? Well, the big ones like adultery, prostitution, the world's pretty down on those. Yeah, those, don't do those. Those are no good. But what about pornography? What does our world say about pornography? Julie and I were watching a family sitcom not long ago. It's on early in the evening. It is about a married couple with kids. It's supposed to promote marriage. And and we were shocked. And one episode we're watching is a husband and the wife, they begin to joke about his pornographic magazines he keeps in the bottom drawer of his tool chest. They're laughing about it. 
To the world, pornography is no big deal. Pornography is nothing. No one's going to find out. It doesn't hurt anyone. That's what Satan tells us. That's what this world tells us. There's no big consequences to pornography. Maybe some of you have bought into that lie. You believe that pornography is one of those safe sins. It's no big deal. No one will find out about pornography. No one, no one will be hurt by you giving into pornography. Let's look actually at both of those statements that this world makes to us. Can you hide it? Is it true that no one knows when you look at pornography? Well, actually, there is one person who knows. Look at Proverbs chapter 5. Solomon wants us to understand there is someone who sees it. With me, it's starting in verse 21. For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. And he watches all of his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the cords of his sin. Solomon wants us to understand even if no other human being sees your sin, God sees it all and he does care. He will judge our sin. Our sin will catch up to us because God sees it. Now in Revelation 21, it actually tells us how much God cares. This sin, sexual immorality, it's the Greek word porneia, interestingly. And that word porneia shows up in a list of sins for which the consequence is what? What would you think? Revelation 28, 21, 8, that the consequence of that sin would be eternal damnation. Burning forever in the lake of fire. That's what God says about that sin. That's what that sin is worthy of. God hates pornography. He doesn't laugh at it. He doesn't excuse it. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He pours his eternal wrath upon pornography. That is why it's great news for all of us in this room who've ever struggled with sexual sin that God sent someone in our place to take that wrath. He sent his son Jesus Christ to hang on the cross and put on Jesus all of our sins, including sexual sin, including pornography. He put it on the back of his son and then he poured out his infinitely just wrath upon it. Jesus took the punishment we deserved in our place. That's the great news of the gospel. If you've ever looked at pornography before, you are worthy of eternity in hell. Just like all sin, it makes you worthy of hell. Jesus took it in your place, on the cross, all your sin, past, present, and future. The great news is all you have to do to experience complete forgiveness, complete cleansing by God is simply believe that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead. Quit trusting in your good deeds and your good works and your good character to get you to heaven. It won't. Put all that aside and trust in what Jesus did, his work on the cross, that he died in your place. If you believe that, then you are forgiven of this sin and all other sins. That's the great news of the gospel, but it does not change God's disposition towards this sin. Just because Jesus took his wrath for you doesn't mean that God still hates it every time that people give in to the sin of pornography. He still hates it. It grieves him. He sees it and he cares. That's the first consequence that Solomon wants us to notice. Second consequence, look with me again in Proverbs chapter 7, starting in verse 22. The world tells us no one's getting hurt by porn. It's no big deal, not hurting anyone. Look what Solomon says about sexual sin, including pornography. Verse 22, suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces his liver as a bird hastens to the snare so he does not know that it will cost him his life. Solomon has two specific consequences in mind here. The first one, he, he goes in fetters. He's talking about slavery. When we give into sexual sin, including pornography, we make ourselves slaves of sin. Pornography is an enslaving sin. It is an addictive sin. Uh, you, you may not feel this way. I, I like to illustrate this um, with an illustration I got, again, from Ben Stewart. Really helpful with this. Thanks, Ben, for for some great ideas for this sermon. Um, ben shared a story. This is how sexual sin works. Kind of like this, this college girl um, who wanted to have a pet. And so she got a pet boa constrictor. I'm not sure why she wanted that, but it seemed like a fun pet, kind of an exotic pet. She kept that pet in the cage. And over time, she began to form a bond with that pet, to love that pet more and more, and wanted that pet to enjoy freedom. And so she would let that pet out of the cage and, and let that pet wander around her room and eventually let that pet sleep with her in bed. Why not? Doors closed. It's safe. Let that snake curl up with her and the snake would stretch out right next to her, kind of cuddle up next to her. Everything seemed great, but she noticed after the next couple weeks that uh, the snake wasn't eating anymore. wasn't eating the dead rats that she brought to it. It was kind of passing up on its food. It started to look kind of sickly, so she takes the snake, she takes it to a vet. 
The vet looks at the snake and he asks, well, has this snake experienced any trauma recently? And she thinks, no, no trauma. Has there been any change in, in the snake's life in the last couple of weeks? And she thinks, well, she's thinking in her mind, well, yeah, I mean, the snake is out and he's sleeping with me now, but that's, you know, people won't understand that. That's kind of embarrassing. I don't really want to share that. So she keeps that to herself. She doesn't share that. So, so the vet sends her home. Well, let's see, what happens in the next couple of weeks? Snake keeps sleeping with her. Snake keeps passing up on its food. Snake keeps getting smaller and smaller, thinner and thinner, more and more sickly looking. And finally, she's desperate. She goes back to the vet, says, still not eating. There's one thing I didn't tell you. I've let the snake out. He sleeps with me. He just, he just stretches out next to me. The vet's draw jo- drops. He looks at the girl and he says, do you realize um, when that snake is stretching out next to you, it is measuring you. That snake isn't eating its food because it wants to lose weight so it can fit itself around your body. The snake is planning to eat you. Get it out of your bed now. Well, that's exactly how sexual sin works. A lot of people think that they can have this little pet sin in their life. Just, just a little bit of sexual immorality. They're not giving into big things. Maybe, maybe it's just looking at, at pictures of women in swimsuits. That's just a small thing. I can keep that. I can have that here, a little pet in my life. Um, no, no big deal, no big consequences. What they don't realize is that sin will not stay as your pet. Sin will not allow you to keep it as a pet. Sin will not allow you to manage it. When Cain was struggling with the sin of anger, God showed up and he warned Cain. He said, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you. Sin is a wild animal. It will consume you. Paul tells us in Romans 6, 16, that uh, whatever you give your life to as a believer, whether to obedience to honor God, whether, whether becoming a slave of God through obedience or whether obeying sin, whether giving in to its lust, you will become a slave of whatever you give yourself to. Human beings cannot be free. It's not within our nature. We are either slaves of the sin that we give into or, the obedience, or through obedience we are slaves to God. One way or the other, you're a slave of something. Now, interestingly, it's not just the Bible saying that anymore. Scientists have discovered that pornography, sexual sin like pornography, is actually just as addictive biochemically as heroin. When you give in to pornography time and time again, you build up neural pathways in your brain that are the same responses as a drug addict. If you watch the, the progression of people who begin to give into pornography, over time they need it more and more frequently. They need worse and worse forms of it. Usually it leads to worse forms of sexual sin like adultery, fornication, prostitution, that, that kind of stuff because it is inherently addictive. If you give into sexual sin, even little bits of sexual sin, it will grow, it will expand, and eventually it will own you. It will consume you. You will become a slave of it. Pornography does hurt people. It hurts you. It will master you if you don't turn away from it. You cannot live with it. You must not give it any space in your life. Not even a square inch. No space in your life for pornography because if you give it an inch, it will take a mile. Okay, first consequence Solomon talks about is slavery. Second, the last verse we read there. He says that this man who's given into sexual temptation, he doesn't realize that it will cost him his life. Solomon often says that sexual sin leads to death. Now, in his day, uh, that was usually uh, one-to-one correspondence. He's talking about literal death. Old Testament law, you commit adultery. What happens to you? You are stoned. You literally die. Well, in our day, things like pornography don't usually lead to physical death. And yet the principle is still true. When you give in to sexual sin like pornography, it really does cost you your life. It costs you everything valuable in your life. It costs you real life. You want to experience joy and peace and satisfaction in this life. All of that is sacrificed on the altar of pornography. It will steal everything good from you. It will steal everything that makes life worth living from you. It will leave you a living dead person, a zombie walking around without hope, without peace, without contentment in life if you give in to this sin. But not only does it hurt you, not only does it cause death in your life, it causes death and pain in the lives of everyone near you. A few years ago, 350 divorce lawyers gathered together for a conference and they filled out a a survey and it was found that online internet pornography contributed to half of the divorces of two-thirds of those lawyers. For two-thirds of them, over half of the cases that they adjudicated were caused because someone was addicted to online pornography. It destroys marriages. If you're giving into it, you need to realize not only is it causing destruction in your life, it's causing destruction in the life of your spouse. 
I was talking to Trey Corey, our college pastor, earlier this week. He wasn't able to track down the exact specific, but it's, it's apparently well over half of children's first exposure to pornography is through dad. Through dad. Dad has a magazine. He thinks he's hidden well. Not well enough. Kid finds it. Dad thinks he's, he's deleting the websites off the computer that he's looking at. Not well enough. Something pops up when the kid sits down. Over half the time, children's first exposure is because of dad. When we give in to pornography, it destroys our life and it destroys the lives of everyone dear to us. So, the world says pornography, no one will find out, and it's not hurting anyone. Nothing could be further from the truth. The one being in the universe whose opinion counts most, he sees it every time. And it hurts you, it hurts the lives of everyone you care about, it destroys everything you value. That's why Solomon in Proverbs 6, he says, giving into sexual sin like pornography, it's like trying to eat burning coals. You're trying to ingest burning coals. When you do that, how can it not catch your clothes on fire? How can it not cause you intense pain? That's what you're doing when you give into sexual sin. Destroys everything you hold dear. So uh, by way of application, let me give you this. An application that's been very, very profitable in my life. The world is constantly telling us that pornography does not cost us anything. You need to fight that lie and here's how you can do it. Started keeping this a number of years ago in my wallet. Got this idea from somebody else. It's called a list of motives. Here are my, I'm up to 26 motives right now for why Blake Jennings should not give in to sexual sin. It's very personal. Now, there's some things that are true for all of us here. None of us should give in to sexual sin because it creates barriers to intimacy with God. But some of these reasons are very personal. I've got on the back a list. Because this sin will make me like dot, dot, dot. And I've listed out the names of men in my life who are dear to me, who I love, who have destroyed their lives because of pornography and sexual sin. I'm not gonna read their names to you but I have the list right here. I wrote this a number of years ago. I read it on a periodic basis. I have most of it memorized now. I keep it right there in my wallet all the time. When I'm struggling, I pull this out, open it up, read them. This, Blake, is what sexual sin will cost you. The world says it won't cost you anything. This list reminds you it will cost you everything that you hold dear. So go home tonight and and begin your list. Write your list, your personal list, reasons why you should walk in sexual purity. Why is it worth it? Keep that list, memorize that list, review that list. It will help you fight the lie of this world. Pornography costs us dearly. Lesson number four that Solomon has for us. How do you battle sexual sin? I think this is maybe the most important piece of advice that he gives us. How do you battle sexual sin? Well, not just by focusing on what you need to avoid. Not just by focusing on those sins you need to avoid, but also at the same time by pursuing good things in your life. Life is not just about what you avoid, it's about what you pursue. So Solomon challenges, pursue two things, most importantly. If you're going to avoid sexual sin, number one, if you're going to avoid bad sex, pursue good sex. Pursue intimacy with your spouse. In chapter five, Solomon says that your spouse is like a fountain of joy to you. He challenges men, be exhilarated with the wife of your youth. Let her breast satisfy you. Be excited in her presence. He's telling us marital sex is a great thing. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul warns us, husbands and wives, do not deny one another sex. Do not deny one another physical intimacy for long periods of time because you're just opening yourself up for temptation. He's telling us that God gave us marriage. One of the reasons for giving us marriage is so that we would enjoy sex with one another so that we would not give in to temptation. So let me challenge you, if you are a married person, if you want to battle sexual sin, one of the best things that you can do is pursue your spouse. Have regular date nights with your spouse. Take your spouse out to dinner. Go home and have fun together. Now, let me say, if if it's been a long period of time and, and there's not like a prolonged illness or pregnancy or something like that that's keeping you from being together and you guys just have not been having fun sexually for a long period of time, it's time to get help. Marriage is designed to have sex and for sex to be fun. That's how marriage is supposed to work. So get help. Go talk to a marital counselor or come talk to one of us pastors if sex is just no longer fun in your marriage. If there's, if there's something keeping you from being able to enjoy that gift from God, you, you need to fix that. You fight sexual sin by pursuing good sex, sex with your spouse. Number two, you avoid sexual sin by pursuing above all else Christ's mission for your life. If you want to really walk with the Lord in purity, you need to pursue the right things. You need to pursue God's mission for your life. It's interesting looking at the example of David. 
2 Samuel 11 is when David falls to adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, verse 1 is very interesting. Here's, what, here's how verse 1 of chapter 11 starts. It says to us, Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David stayed at Jerusalem. God had intended that the king of Israel would go out in the spring and lead his armies to extend the borders of Israel. But what did David do? He delegated that mission to someone else so he could sit around at home. Next verse, David is just killing time up on his roof when he sees a naked woman bathing on the top of a roof. That's Bathsheba. And his life begins to come apart. David set himself up for sin by disengaging in the mission that God had for him in life. He was idle. He was idle and that set him up for failure. Men and women, one of the best ways that we avoid sexual sin is by engaging in the mission Christ has for us in life, by sharing our faith, by serving one another, by serving the church, by using our spiritual gifts. When we do these things, we protect ourselves from sexual sin. I've heard it put, and this is well said, when you're charging the hill, there's no time to look at Playboy. When we're all working together, charging the hill, pushing back the gates of the kingdom of Satan, when we're doing that together, when we're at war, there's no time for pornography. You're too busy doing what counts. You're too busy doing what you were designed to do. Now the problem is Satan is so devious. He is so crafty. When a, when a, a, a child of God, when a believer gives into this sin, when they commit pornography, Satan comes along and he whispers to them, you are the last person who should ever be serving at church. I don't even think you should go to church. You shouldn't even be around the saints of God. You're so unworthy. That's a lie. That's not how God feels. If you gave into pornography last night, what does God want you to do? He wants you to confess that sin and then he wants you to serve today. He wants you out there sharing your faith. He wants you out there meeting the needs of people. He wants you out there using your spiritual gifts. Now, it may not be time to lead in the church yet. You may need to heal. You may need to grow in maturity before you can lead, but you can serve and you should be doing it right now. God doesn't put people on the sidelines. He wants you in the game. If you're gonna resist sexual sin, one of the best ways you do it is by staying in the game. Use your spiritual gifts, serve others, share your faith. As you do things that truly count for eternity, you will be fulfilled, you will be satisfied, and pornography will lose its appeal to you. You may still struggle with it from time to time, but you will leave much less room for it. Now, what I'd like to do here at the end of our message, I'd like to review these applications. I'd like to get specific as I do. Men, you can go back and prepare communion. This may seem like a weird subject to cover when you're going to have communion. It's actually perfect. There could not be a better sermon topic to take communion at the end of. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Before we do, I want to review for you guys a little bit. I, I, I have a feeling that a lot of you in this room right now, if the statistics are right, you're feeling very emotional right now. You're feeling very convicted. You're feeling very guilty. And you're saying to yourself and you're saying to God, God, I'm going to never do that again. I'm never going to look at pornography again. And that's, that's a great commitment. That's a really good commitment. That's a good place to start. But that's not enough. If you leave here and the only thing you leave with is a recommitment to never look at pornography again, that's not going to last you when two weeks or two months or two years from now you are tired, you are discouraged, you are home alone and all of a sudden temptation comes calling. Okay, don't wait for that period to come. Don't, don't leave here with just a recommitment. We need to be very practical. We need today to begin to put into practice these specific applications that Solomon has given us. So let me review them for you. Specifically, Solomon has a number of things to say for those of us who might be tempted by sexual sin, who are struggling with sexual sin. If you're right now lost in the darkness of sexual sin, if you're giving in on a regular basis, then his application for you is get help today. Get help from somebody today. For the rest of us, for all of us, we need to have accountability. Get accountability now, not when you're giving into pornography. Get it now. Put it in your place so every week you have accountability. You need to limit and remove sources of temptation in your life. Put that filter on the computer. I'll show you some resources at the end that tell you where to get that. You put that filter on the computer, lock out the cable channels, do whatever you have to do to protect yourself. Create your list of motives for purity. Go home and do that tonight and keep it with you. And pursue your spouse and pursue Christ. If there's a problem in your marriage keeping you from intimacy, you need to fix that. If you're not being involved in the kingdom of Christ, you need to fix that. You need to pursue the right things. All of us need to be doing these things. Another application specifically for parents. uh, Parents just want to remind you, go home today and do an electronic audit of your house. 
Know for sure that your house is protected from pornography. Protect your kids, but at the same time, be preparing your kids now. Even if your child is four years old, you don't have to use the word porn, but you need to be talking to them and preparing them to resist when they inevitably see pornography. And finally, for the one or two people in the room who've never struggled with sexual sin, what about you? Let me encourage you, please commit to pray regularly for the rest of us who have been tempted by sexual sin. Pray for us. Satan is going to use this sin, if he can, to destroy the church in America. I'm convinced of it. The statistics are too high. He's working this into every church in America so he can destroy us. Please, if you are not struggling with sexual sin, will you please commit to pray for everyone else who is? Pray that God would protect us. Pray that God would protect our marriages. Pray that God would grow us so that we would resist, so that we would be lights in this world, so that we would walk in purity. Please be praying for us. Don't judge us, pray for us. And now finally, it's time for us to to get ready to take communion. And what I'd like to do now is I would like to speak to everyone in the room who who is feeling a, a little guilty right now, who's feeling a little ashamed right now. I'm, I'm absolutely positive that there are some of you in this room right now who, who this message has left you feeling incredibly uncomfortable. You, you, you really feel ashamed at this moment. You, you feel so far from God because of your sexual sin. You feel like God doesn't love you. You feel like God doesn't want to be near you. You don't even feel worthy to be taking up the seat you're in. It's time for us to take communion together. Communion is where we remind ourselves as a group that there are not different levels to the love of God. He doesn't love the person who's never looked at pornography more than the person who has. He loves all of us infinitely and unconditionally. There are different levels of God's forgiveness. He does not really forgive the person who never looks, but only a bit the person who does. No, he forgives us of everything, past, present, and future, completely in Christ. In communion, we remind ourselves that in God's eyes, we are infinitely loved, we are completely forgiven, we are fully cleansed, and we are lovely in his sight. That's what communion is a reminder of. Not even this sin, not even pornography can mar the love of God for you. That's the joy of communion. So as the men come forward, you guys can come on up. What I'd like you to do is take this time as the elements pass to turn to God in thanks. Turn to God and pray to him and thank him that Jesus took all of our sins, even the sexual ones, upon his body on the cross. Thank God for sending Jesus to die for us. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord God, how we thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you that there is no sin that you did not place upon Jesus Christ. All of our sins, even the most shameful, even the most embarrassing, even the most shocking, you know and you placed on your Son Jesus and he died for them. Thank you that through Jesus we are redeemed from sin. We are forgiven by you and we have eternal life that we can never lose. Thank you that you would welcome sinners like us into heaven to be with you for eternity. You are so gracious, God. Thank you that your love for us is complete. It is unconditional. It does not lessen when we give into sin. Thank you that you are our Father and you forever will be called our Father. Thank you that you don't abandon us even when we sin. I pray for all who are here, Lord, that you would strengthen us to walk in purity, to live with clean hands and a pure heart by applying these lessons from Proverbs. I pray that as our world continues to push pornography more and more into our lives, deeper and deeper into our homes, Lord, I pray that you would train us up to resist. You would train us up to be a generation that seeks your face, that glorifies you, that walks in purity and holiness, despite what this world puts in front of us. Let us be lights for you, Lord. Let us live lives that are worthy of you. Thank you so much for your grace, your forgiveness, and your strength to walk in purity. 
We rejoice that we know you through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Can you put up my last slide on my PowerPoint presentation? What I'd like to leave with you guys with this morning is a list of resources. I want to give you a list of things that I and others here at the church have found helpful in our lives to battle sexual sin. So you can just copy some of these down uh, on your way out. Um, see if you can get that up, Ethan. Actually, the first one, while he's pulling that up, the first resource, I just want to, uh, let me, let's do something visual here. Uh, if you are a, a staff member, if you are married to a staff member, if you are an elder, or if you are a small group leader at Grace Bible Church, would you stand up real quick? Wherever you are, would you stand up? Staff member, small group leader, spouse of a staff member. Okay. Uh, Why don't you guys kind of look around. Everybody kind of look around. See some of these faces. These are people who it's safe to talk to. You can go talk to this person. They will keep it private. They will keep your sin secret. But they will help you to begin to walk in purity. You don't have to come up here and talk to me. You can talk to one of them. Okay, you guys can sit down. That's the first resource I have for you guys. Second, for those of you who um, you might be addicted to pornography... You're looking at it on a, on a weekly basis or a regular basis. I want to encourage you. We have a ministry here at the church called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, there's information on the website. It's, it's very private. It's very secure. It is an incredible group to help lead you out of addiction. Again, if you're struggling with pornography, you need to realize it is as biochemically addictive as alcohol or drugs. You need help. Okay, so Celebrate Recovery. All, all the information is on our website, grace-bible.org. Uh, if, you, if you aren't to the level maybe of addiction yet, but you just want to get rid of porn, you don't want it to be part of your life, you want to fight against it, a great online resource is pureonline.com. It does cost a little bit of money, but it is phenomenal. I, I definitely would say this is worth the money. A guy named Joe Dallas has a series of video lectures for you, a lot of practical applications. He walks you through what's going on in you and your mind when you give in to this sin and gives you a lot of practical resources for how to walk in purity. So pureonline.com. And finally, if you want to lock out stuff on your computer or if you want to hold yourself or others in your home accountable on the computer, best program I know of is Covenant Eyes. You can go to covenanteyes.com. There's a number of others. This, I think, is the best. It costs a little bit, like seven bucks a month for the accountability part. It just logs what sites you go to and sends it to your accountability partner. It's an extra two bucks a month to add a filter that can block stuff. It can even turn off the internet on your computer after a certain hour of the night. Really helpful software uh, that you can check out online. Well worth the price. There are others that I'm sure you can get, but I think that's the best one. They also just added some software to do the same thing on your smartphone or iPhone. You can now lock it out and hold yourself accountable there or your kids accountable there. All right, guys. Uh, love you guys. Very glad to get to talk to you guys about this. Uh, if you are struggling, please do come to talk to one of us. Okay, have a blessed day. We'll see you next week.